0: Welcome back to the Gap Travel Podcast. We're your hosts, Kim and Aaron, And in this episode, we are going to talk all things strike. Um, I am back home now and ready to debrief.
1: The last podcast we did was over the phone.
0: Yeah, I was in Chicago. You were in
1: Chicago. I was in St. Louis. I had just gotten home from Mm -hmm. a trip, a visit. And... We got off the call slash recorded our podcast with you still in your hotel room, not knowing worked. what the heck to expect mm-hmm. next. So we're like, okay, cool. Like at that point, y'all just been like hanging out in your hotel room for the week. If you haven't listened to the last two episodes, it will kind of catch. It was
0: just last. One. Oh, it was just one.
1: Yeah. Oh, because
0: just- we skipped last week just because kidding. of all the crazy. But we did
1: one before too. Saying yeah, you we did. Going. You're right. So if you have no idea what we're talking about and you're interested in knowing what the experience was like going to work a strike and things that came up and all of that, if you're interested, go check that out. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. And this episode, just kind of debriefing what it was like and not just like working the strike, but also things that came up for us personally, mm-hmm. um, being away of, for three weeks and, and kind of
0: our thoughts on the strike too, and like, our
1: opinions and yeah. Uh, we had no, idea. well, I guess, yeah, we're not, we haven't had any experience with strikes actually mm-hmm. um, ever, you know, I've been doing ultrasound for 12, 13 years, never had any experience with a strike. So I didn't know a whole lot about it, but it's a very controversial topic, yeah. which we learned. And so we're yeah. going to kind of share our like thoughts and opinions and kind of takeaways now that we've had time to think about everything.
0: Yeah, but before we get into this podcast, uh, we wanted to tell you one of our favorite supporters of this podcast, um, us. (laughs) Um, The Gap Travel Backpack is arriving today. The prototype, the finished prototype, is arriving today to put our hands on it. We are sitting by the window doing the podcast, but also beaming through the window, waiting for the post office man to come. And deliver our backpack.
1: Seriously? Like, we're literally looking for the postman.
0: Yeah, I've got text alerts, I've got everything ready to go. Oh, somebody's.
1: Here going comes Mimi we, we We trapped her away because she was snoring like a 500 pound man, yeah. and we put her in our room, and apparently, she has just escaped, so Daddy's <laughs> gonna put her back. Um, But it's really cool because, I mean, if you have no idea what we're talking about, we said we were gonna do updates on what's going on with our backpack that we're creating, and we only did one, and like never did it again. So if you have no idea what we're talking about, Erin and I have created, well, we designed, we envisioned, we kind of dreamt up this idea that hadn't been done before that we hadn't seen done before and it was something that we wanted and we thought well hell like let's create this right so we actually had to have somebody create take our vision and create it with materials and kind of bring it to life yeah and so that's what we're currently waiting for is our vision being dropped off at our doorstep so we can open it and see is it everything we dreamed of right like no pressure fingers crossed i know so There's we've only of, seen pictures of it we right. haven't
0: and it's hard because you know they're like do you see anything right off hand that you want to change blah, blah blah but it's hard until you get your hands on it
1: Well, hold on take a step back because again if you don't know essentially like what we're talking about really quickly we created a backpack we did a whole episode on this but we wanted to create a backpack that was for travelers Anybody who's kind of mobile on the go, hiking, traveling, going through an airport, going to a new contract, whatever it is, but on the go, going to a cafe to work, whatever it is, walking around a new city, going to explore. We wanted to create a backpack that had straps that were efficient. So what that means is the straps are on the front and you have easy access to everything you would need while you're doing all the things. So like, you have your cell phone where you can just take it out and it's right there on your strap. You can just take it out, snap a picture, text whomever, put it right back in. And then on the other side.
0: Yeah, the other side is a wallet that's gonna hold up to three cards. So it could be like, you know, debit card, credit card, and even a hotel key. Um, I noticed that in Chicago, you know, going in and out and the elevators that were there required you to put your key card on this reader and then select your floor before getting in. And I always was like scrambling for my wallet and my key and if i would have had it right there in my bag i was like man that would be awesome mm-hmm. um and so then it also holds a boarding pass and a passport um going in and out of the airport we always know that we're scrambling for those things and then going through security so it's just something that we wanted it's all rf RFID protected which is that way nobody can scan your cards um, and it's just easy access. It just, for...
1: yeah, everything you need is right at your fingertips. So it's like when you're on the go, you want to get that coffee, you take out your card, you pay for it, you put it right back so you don't have to go in and out of the bag all the time is what we realized traveling together was a constant back and forth. Mm-hmm. So anyways, that is what we have created. We had a prototyper in Boulder, Colorado, create these like custom-made straps, attach it to a backpack that we also created and now that whole thing is going to be delivered to us so we can see it in person of like oh like oh my gosh yeah. is this what we want or do we hate it we no, have no no clue
0: and we we have everything <laughs> so say we love it we we have, we have everything lined up. We have a bottle of champagne that we've been storing since the idea which came six about. Six months ago. Six months ago. So it's aged well. Yay! Um, and we also have filet mignon and lobster tail that we have saved.
1: We're attempting to make a homemade lobster roll, mm-hmm. which I'm very excited about because I'm a New England girl. With a I side of filet mignon. I introduced Aaron to lobster rolls.
0: Yeah. Excuse me? Yeah. You
1: had no idea what a lobster roll even I- was. Okay. okay, And I mean, we're lobster roll snobs at this point. Mm-hmm. So we're going to attempt to make our own. Celebrate that tonight with all of the things. So we will obviously keep you guys posted. You can follow along on our Instagram story because we're always updating everything that's going on. We're going to be showing the bag. Um, that's at Kim and Erin G. And we're also going to be selling the bag on Amazon yep. when it actually When gets. That, There's still a process with that. <laughs> at some point. Yep. Stay tuned. Okay. So anyway.
0: Let's That's get up. into Chicago stuff. Let's do it. Micro, please prepare for departure. Okay, so my contract officially ended December 20th. I am back home recording this, which is a lot of fun, being face-to-face and just being here, being away was was tough. Not only with the what we were going through, um, but just we had never done anything like that Um, no i mean we did at the beginning of our travel career but i i think it was the first time i'd ever done something like that on my own um and then just the stress of the entire situation yeah um the emotional roller coaster uh the constant back and forth the just, yeah.
1: All right. Well, let's take it back. Okay. Because we want to get into kind of like the stressors of it, like personally and things like that. We want to get into like, we want to cover a couple different like categories, I yeah. guess of this, but let's roll it back because the last time we recorded a podcast, you were in your hotel room hanging out. It you was guys, Monday night. You guys, yeah. Monday night. You guys were not, um, you hadn't worked. You'd been there for an entire week. Nobody has went on strike. You guys hadn't even gone into the hospital yet. You have two weeks left of your contract. You, and i hang up the phone i love you you're like tomorrow i'm gonna wake up i'm gonna edit all day i've got big plans actually
0: so when we hung up um so kim and i did our last podcast over the phone and there was a lot of editing that took place that normally doesn't take place in these podcasts because the volume was off and so i cut all of it and i basically got done at 11:30 that night from editing. And I said to myself, you know what, like I've been on edge all week long. They always are claiming like, check your email at four in the morning. Like you might be going in like today's the day, like today's the day. So you wake up every morning thinking you're going, you have your scrubs ready to go, everything ready to go. And that Monday night, I actually said to myself, you know what, I'm not setting my alarm. I'm sleeping in. I'm going to wake up, I'm going to enjoy my downtime in my hotel room, I'm going to edit some videos, and I'm just going to have a me day, and I'm not going to leave, I'm going to order food from downstairs, like I had it all planned out.
1: And so I so I go to work at 8 every day, and I was actually pulling into work, it was like maybe 7.45, 7.50 or something, and my sister, who is also working the strike with Aaron in Chicago, she's texting me, she's like, hey... I can't get a hold of Aaron. I've tried to call him. I've tried to text him. Have you talked to him? We got the call. It's go time. Like we actually have to go and report for orientation. And I was like, What? Like, oh oh my gosh. Like, okay. So I like tried to call him a bunch of times and he wasn't answering. And I'm like, and I know what a deep sleeper he is. And I'm like, how could he not have his ringer on? Like, what is he thinking well, right of now? Of course it didn't
0: help that I was complaining of like my my back was hurting and like my workouts and all those things and you thought I was having like a heart attack and-
1: I thought, oh right, because I was like, oh my gosh, something bad's happened. Yeah. Oh my gosh. As you were saying the night before, I forgot that you were like having heavy tr- pressure on your chest. So mm-hmm. I was like, he's in the room. He's something's happened. I'm like, you got to get into the room. So I was like, go over there and just bang on the oh, door as loud as I you can. And that's I up. I
0: just hear boom, 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 just constant. And I'm like, this is an aggressive housekeeper. Like, <laughs> and then I'm like, what is going on? And I peep out my little peephole and I just see it's
1: go time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Come the, on. With a little pony blonde ponytail.
0: Like, already been up six hours, of like, course. ready to go. Yeah. What a
1: way to wake up, though, of just, like, okay, like,
0: yeah. now
1: you have to, like, collect yourself. Because it's not just, like, oh, you're going into a new job. You have to, like, get your mind in the right place of what am I walking into? Yeah. Like, what... What am I? I don't even know what to expect.
0: Well, and there was so much build up, like we said over the week, because we just kept hearing from the command center that today's the day they're going to start orientation, at least orientations. So that way we know where to go when things happen and blah, blah, blah. And again, just under the assumption that we were going to work a strike. So we were waiting for the picketers. We were looking out the window, like seeing, are they picketing? Is, is this going on? Like, is this happening? And we'll get into like how what actually came about um, later on in in the podcast. But um, so we were always waiting and waiting and waiting. And then all of a sudden it was like we're going into orientation. And so fast forward, I get dressed. We walk downstairs. We go to the command center. We check in and I sit down. I start talking to the group that we're with that we kind of all hung out together and we're just sitting there having a conversation about the whole thing. And all of a sudden, this girl stands up and says, Attention, ladies and gentlemen, mainly gentlemen, if you have a beard, the beard must come off now. Oh my God. You must shave your beard to work at this hospital. And so then that was another thing. Like, I haven't been hairless on my face so, in years.
1: Side note when I met Aaron, he was hairless, and hairless, like, on his face.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: You had hair other places. Good good clarification. But you started growing out the scruff, you know, years and years and years and years ago. And so I like, I think you're so handsome with the scruff. Like when I see you without hair, it almost is like... I don't know, it's very man-child vibes, mm-hmm. and it's like scary. Yeah. And so when I saw you, cause you did an Instagram story of you like shaving, I was like, oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, I got a lot of compliments for my um, clean shaved, which was cool, oh, but I know that not you Not the vibe. Yeah, I know you don't like it. So it, it made me feel really insecure a, a lot. Uh, I just, I felt like so I had a,
1: like protector. had a
0: puffy cheek and I was like noticing things and it was just very bizarre. But anyway, so that's how I started the second half of my day. I get done with shaving. Everybody in the room had known that I was like, all right, here I go. So then everybody was like, show us your face because I have my mask on. Oh, my God. So the entire room of our entire staff that was there to cover this um, is all, you know, giggling and laughing. And then they were like, Aaron, you need to go now. Your group already left. So it was literally seconds of just like boom, 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 boom. So then I go and I walk. Over the door they told me to report to was locked. They said, go through another door. I ended up walking into the main hospital and talking to one of the employees and she's like, what are you here for? And I was like, so nervous to say what I was there for because nobody was on strike. So then I was like, just, you know, I'm here to see HR. She's like, do you have an appointment? I'm like, no. And then she's like, well, why are you here? Are you a new hire? And I was like, no, I just yeah. need to speak to IR or HR. So anyway,
1: we had orientation
0: all day that day and
1: so kind of cutting through cuz i feel like there's so many things is, so but- i think like you know one of the the main things was that they didn't go on strike no. so i'll set the tone and then you can talk about this a little bit but like typically what we've learned from this whole strike situation is that most of the time people go on strike And the group comes in to cover while the people strike and they do their thing. The people come back and then the strike workers leave, right? That's kind of how it goes. This was a completely different situation. And, and actually nobody knew this was even going to be on the table. And I don't know if you even would have done it. Maybe if you would have known, I don't know, but basically they never went on strike. So instead of being like, oh, well they haven't gone on strike yet. So you guys either go home or just hang out. They made them work. In the department, side by side, with these people who were threatening to go on strike, did not want anybody there. Like, strikes are essentially kind of hostile environments. Uh, Volatile. Like, they don't want these people coming in to work and all of that. So, now they've put these people, these people, Aaron, my sister, the whole group, are now working in departments with the staff that has not gone on strike. And they're just using them to help cover, like, to help out, which was insane. I heard on the
0: ground that part of the negotiations, now granted, I I can't say that any of this is true, this is just hearsay, but basically the hospital knew that we were there to cover the strike. They also knew that we weren't working and that they weren't going on strike for whatever time frame that they were playing. They kept saying we were, um, but they were calling off. The staff, was they call it the blue flu and they would basically, departments would just call in and just use their call-in, so then that way they weren't technically on strike, but they were leaving their staff extremely like low, and it was becoming really difficult. The hospital was having a tough time managing, um, and that was kind of their way. So in their negotiations, I did hear that the staff was complaining of lack of staff due to some layoffs and some budget cuts, which was leading to the whole strike, and so, I heard that the hospital was using it as a negotiation tactic to say that we are bringing you help, not saying that we were there to cover the strike. Although the staff is smart and knows why we're why we're there, so then it was like this conflicting issue of they're bringing us in to help the staff to support the staff during this time of need, but this actual staff was like, we know why you guys are here and we don't want you here. Right. So it was a very conflicting thing because management was saying that we're not there to cover a strike. We're there to help out the department. And we...
1: The whole thing, honestly, is icky. and It is. Um, in, You know, again, I keep saying this, but it's like we had never really experienced anything to do with a strike before. And we were presented this opportunity, and it seems like a great opportunity to go. Obviously, strikes, they, they pay very well. That's the incentive for being on this crazy roller coaster and these hostile environments and all the things that come with it. So you're compensated well. Um, but you know, it really is a very, um, I don't know, like,
0: I don't have a word for it, to be honest with you. And I've had a lot of time to think about it on how I feel about it. And I know we're going to get into our thoughts and, and stuff about the strike in, in general of like being a strike breaker, a strike um, breaker is yeah. what they called us.
1: But like, for instance, you know, so my sister is a stenographer, and so, she and, and a group of them, I think there was five or so. Five or six. Five or six sonographers. They're now going into a department with other sonographers who don't want them there, right? And so they go in and, you know, they were just saying, like, basically they were so mean. So every department was a little different. Yes. Okay. Speaking about ultrasound specifically, they were very mean to them. They basically were just like throwing requisitions at them. Like, we're not doing anything. Like we're here, but we're not doing shit. And you guys are gonna do everything. And we're also not gonna show you how to do anything. Like you figure it out. And they were just like nasty to them. And on
0: top of that, we didn't have, you know, logins to transport. Um, Also transporters were there that were covering. And so now you have all these lost transporters that don't know how to get through the department. I mean, it was a complete shit show um, on a lot of levels. But just to throw this in there, I'm just so proud of the group that went, Um, especially our core group. We all stuck together and relied on each other. And that can go two ways, right? You can either just kind of all every man and woman for themselves and you just kind of do it or you bond together and say, let's figure this out as a group. And your sister really stepped up and that was crazy, like her story. And in IR specifically, my group was extremely welcoming, which was a little crazy because I got pulled into the manager's office with the head physician of the department of radiology and was telling me that, you know, IR is a little volatile, they're a little aggressive, they're this or that, am I prepared for this? Like all this kind of stuff before I even stepped foot in the department. So I'm like, oh my God, what am I walking into? i walk in the irmds were super nice the staff was extremely welcoming um so i didn't really have that experience that a lot of the people were having in the different departments there was reports of of physical altercations um people walking out of their contracts because they couldn't take the bullying and the abuse um so yeah there was just a lot of a lot of stuff going on and we were all in this chat so we were like hearing it all and it was just a lot (laughs) Okay, we've decided to pause the regularly scheduled, already recorded podcast <laughs> due to the fact that we realized that we did not talk anything about the fact of what it was actually like working the strike. And we thought...
1: Well, I was like writing the notes for the podcast and I was like, uh, yeah, you didn't even talk about anything like what it was actually like working in your department, like the workflow, what it was like walking in. Like how did we skip that whole part and what did we even talk about on this episode? We have no idea. Yeah.
0: Well, on top of that, this is a lesson for new podcasters out there and maybe some old ones. What the beauty of a podcast is, you get to do what the hell you want. Yeah. And so, guess what? We're adding this in, and we'll get back to the already recorded podcast after we say our spiel.
1: Okay. Because this is important. This is like is. the juicy stuff that I want to know. So I'll set. The Are you going to
0: interview me? Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So what?
0: Okay, Okay. we have to
1: explain. All
0: right, why Kim just lost it was the fact that we saw the mailman as we were talking about in this episode. I'm not sure if we got there yet, but he left and did not have our backpack, which really upset us. And so I was like stalking him and he wasn't the nicest gentleman and he was a little off, but um, he finally got to all the parcels. We looked, package wasn't there. So Kim said... Is there anybody else delivering today, or are you it? And he was like, I'm it. And now, just now, when Kim lost it, he just drove back into the building. Another one just came in with his
1: lights on. Oh, my God, because he forgot our package.
0: No, it's still in Denver. He
1: was supposed to bring our package.
0: It's still in Denver. Okay, stay tuned. that was funny, though, that you drove back. Oh, my
1: God. I swear he has it. I know. So, okay. Back to the, the juicy stuff. Okay, so... What I want to know, right? Because as travelers, we know you walk into a facility and you have somebody there, they're training you, they're showing you the ropes, they're welcoming you. They're like, hey, let me show you how to work the machine and here's your logins and here you go. Like this is what our flow is, right? Like that's what we know as travelers. Even though we're nervous and it can still be intimidating, we know there's people on the other end to receive us that are like gonna show us the ropes, okay? This working a strike is obviously a completely different situation. I will say the original thought was that y'all would walk in and nobody would be there, right? So it'd be like you and like yourself <laughs> figuring it out. Pretty much. But you're, you walked in, okay? So we're going to talk from your perspective because nobody else is here. So you walk into IR the staff is still there, remind you, and the staff doesn't want you there. So you walk in and like, what was it actually like with the work, like the workflow?
0: Yeah. So I'll back it up a little bit. The one thing that this hospital did really well was when they got word that they were possibly going to strike the next week, that's why they started us early. So was it, Political or was it smart that they said what we would like you to do is I understand you're working side-by-side with side, the staff is probably going to strike They're probably not going to like you if they do give you any problems come see us We'll fix that, but they put us through orientation So we had an orientation day where all we did was get our badges and then we had a Cerner log on training through the HIS staff so we all sat in a room they ran us like a high-level overview of Cerner They made sure that we had our logins. So then those emails came through before we walked in on our first day. So we could actually log on to the computer.
1: That's helpful.
0: That was very helpful because that would have been a struggle for a lot of people to try to like have to ask people for their logins, which they're never going to give you. They would
1: have told you to F off. Yeah,
0: pretty much. So they did a good job on that aspect. So that whole day was just like, and then we went to the department. Our department heads talked to us and then said, come back tomorrow for your first day. Mm -hmm. And so that basically that first day um, in my situation was, as we talked about in the podcast, just that um, I had a meeting with the head radiologist of the department and the manager. And they said that IR is a little hostile, blah, blah, blah. We just want you to observe today. Just observe how they do things. um, Just kind of stay out of the way a little bit and just kind of see because this is your orientation week. Because if they strike next week, then you're it. And so I went into the department and... Literally got yelled at by the IR doc immediately that I was causing uh, them not to put patients on the table because they were trying to train me, oh my God. and then I was causing an issue, and I need to just go hide in the corner. Is basically <laughs> what he said to me. So I was like, all right, cool, whatever. Like I'll just stand back, no big deal. Um, so I was catching a flow. Now, granted, I've been doing IR a long time at a lot of different facilities, and honestly, I, I might be patting myself on the back, but I'm fucking good at it. Like I just, I can pick it up. I know what they're doing. All I need to see is their back end flow that I don't really understand. Um, but this facility didn't do it. They don't bill for cases. They don't chart. They don't do anything. They literally just complete. They don't even start their exams. You know, I'm like Cerner, you start them. Don't even do that. They just complete it. That's all I had to learn how to do other well, than the easy, cases. Yeah. So it was super simple for me. Um, so then basically... Couple cases go through, I'm kinda of looking around. The manager comes and finds me and says, I need to go get my radiation badge and she says, And oh and by the way, remember how I told you to stand back? I really need you to do cases. I just need kidding. you to do your have your own room, jump in, do what you can do. And I said, Well you might want to take that up with your IR the head IR doc because he just told me to go sit in the corner. Mm-hmm. And so She was like, I'll take care of that. Come to find out, uh, me and that physician ended up being really, really good friends. We worked together one-on-one the entire time because nobody else wanted to work with him. They're like, he likes you, so can you go work with him? Um, But for the most part, it was literally throw me in and sink or swim, basically. Yeah, wasn't Um, that
1: girl like... Like one of the texts was just like, are you okay? like, do you know what you're doing? Are you okay? And you were like, yeah. And she was like, okay, bye. And then you like never saw her again. And yeah. you basically ran your whole room by yourself yeah. with no training.
0: Which is what I would prefer. Yeah. Um I would literally, they set up the most basic trays I've ever seen in my life. But the physicians, they scrubbed their own cases by themselves. Um, it was very ironic from that level, from an IR perspective. It was literally the easiest IR job I've ever stepped foot into. So I had a lot of space to handle the other craziness that I would rather work by myself because they would question, you know, they told me like, like they were, I was, they told me that I was um, prepping a patient too much. Yeah. That I was over prepping well, with chlorhexidine and I shouldn't do my drapes that way. Um, I shouldn't spoil the physicians. I shouldn't try to step up and do you know, more than, you know, just
1: well, right. Like they it seemed like they were like a a very like bare bottom, very minimal facility where you're used to working in facilities where yeah. it's very detailed. You're very hands-on. You have a lot of responsibility. You help the doctors. You, you're you helping to it's guide expected. them. Right. So you're coming in like doing all this stuff and they're like, oh hell no boy. Like who are you coming in here trying to make right. us do more work? You right. know, basically yeah. like you need to calm down. Right. Yeah. But you were just doing what you knew. Like, right. And do. there was
0: some levels of like, don't tell me that I'm over prepping a patient. Like, If anything tell me i'm under prepping yeah i mean
1: well i like the the day you were texting me that they basically made you go to ct and do a ct biopsy where you had to run the ct machine which you've never done in your entire life and he was just like figure it out
0: yeah so basically (laughs) that was the panic that was kind of like a good segue into the facts just to mention we realized my entire three week contract they never went on strike Never.
1: Yeah, spoiler alert. That's another thing we didn't say. They never ended up going on strike. They
0: are going on strike this Tuesday. So the day that this releases, they'll be technically on strike unless what happened was they were supposed to strike last Tuesday. A judge got involved, a circuit judge, and wrote an injunction that said they cannot strike. He prevented them from striking due to... COVID-19 due to he's in the pockets of somebody in the hospital. Who knows? I'm just saying there was an injunction written that they were not allowed to strike. So I don't they know. never
1: went on strike. <laughs> they never
0: went on strike. So anyway, they were passing around the sign up sheet to pick it on Friday when I, when I was like done with my shift. And so they were gearing up for this Tuesday coming up. So they never went on strike. So what was crazy was while everybody was gearing up, Everything was, like, kind of calm, kind of whatever. Monday rolls around, so the second week, third week I was there, Started my third week, they thought they were going on strike on Tuesday. Mass panic hit. Like, all of a sudden, like, I have residents. I can hear them yelling out, Where's Aaron Gibson? Where's Aaron Gibson? And I was like, that's me. And they're like, we need your phone number right now. Like, you're the only one on call. You're going to be running the department. Then I had, like, the heads of all the departments coming in and saying, If we get a stroke, can you handle a stroke patient? Like... Oh, and by the way, our neurosurgeon or our neuro IR guy that's normally here, he's off all next week. So you're going to have to cover the strike, the strokes during the strike with a doctor from another hospital. Mm -hmm. And I was like, um, that's where I draw the line. I do not feel comfortable doing that. Um, It was very hard on my ego to say because I knew I could figure it out because I don't scrub these cases. So I could get through it. But I was like, if anything happens, that would be on me. And that's not fair to that patient. Because I don't know how that doctor works. I don't know who he is. I don't know what he's capable of doing. And that made me feel uncomfortable. If it would have been our IR neuro guy, I think I could have got through it but it was because it was another hospital and how that works. Well,
1: it's just adding even more pressure to everything else that you had to just figure out. And I think another thing too, is like different departments had a different amount of people. So like again, ultrasound had like six people. So they were all in it together, right? They were figuring things out together as a team where you, for one week, you did have Kevin with you. Mm but after that you were all alone so like there was going to be nobody else right. with you you were like the go-to person that yep. was it <laughs> so
0: kevin's last day was monday the strike was happening supposedly on yeah. tuesday and i was like thanks a lot buddy like yeah leaving me high right but- and you
1: had you had the thought so this was the thought this didn't happen again they never went on strike we'll see if it actually happens this week but the thought was you were going to have to work every single day and take call every single night until your contract was over. Or
0: until they came back. So it was like
1: basically 24 hours. Yeah, exactly. And they, they
0: said it was a 24-hour strike, but you just never know what's right. going to happen. So basically out of all of that call in the neurodoc, I get the other IR attending comes in and says, um, I need you to go do a CT biopsy right now. And I was like, okay, um, that's no problem. And he was like, oh yeah, but we run the machine, you have to run the CT machine. And I was like, wait a minute, I've never touched a CT machine, I've only scrubbed, because IR and CT, you know, it's it's very rare that you have IR techs. I know they are starting to go that direction, like Yale was doing that, but they had a select few IR techs that knew how to do that, and they trained them for weeks. That's why I was actually at Yale, because they were training their techs to run the CT like machine during biopsies. Anyway, I was like, I've never, t-. and he was like, well, what are you going to do if I call you in at, at midnight for a drain placement? And I was like, I don't know. Like I've never touched a CT machine. You're not so a he's CT like, tech. Right. So he goes, it's ridiculous. well, you're going to go do the next biopsy and you're going to run the CT machine. <laughs> and I was like, oh dear God. So I go hauling ass over to CT and sure enough, Lindsay and Shelby were the two CT techs that were there. And I was like, yo, I don't, they're making me run this machine. In
1: case you don't know who Lindsay and Shelby are, they're two girls who are also there working with Strike.
0: Yeah, we all like looked out for each other. And so I was like, are you guys available? And Lindsay was like, yes, I'll stand behind you. I'll show you how to do this. Because the staff in CT was like, no. like Figure it out. He should have an IR tech training him. They even said that to Lindsay. Don't show him. The IR tech should come over here and show him how to do it. And so she was like, no, absolutely not. Like, anyway, so she ran me through what I needed to know. But come to find out, the doctor was actually could run the CT machine himself. Like, he knew it so well Mm -hmm. that he walked me through it. But it was a big thing because I'm like, now I'm running the CT machine. And of course, I go to think. This is fine and dandy now when Lindsay's standing behind me, yeah. when the doctor's there. It's not three in the morning with a screaming patient right. trying to figure this out. And what if something goes wrong? Yeah, this is straightforward, but what if the tilt's off? Or what if the pictures aren't coming up? Or what if they're not going over to... Like, I don't know how to troubleshoot any of this. So basically, basically we, we set it to where um, Shelby and Lindsay... Um, Lindsay in particular was like, listen, just if you get called in and we're all here on strike, just call me as well. And I'll come in with you if it's a CT biopsy and I'll run the CT machine for you because we're all here to cover the strike. So I'll just come in and do that. And that way you don't have to worry about it. You just cover the doc, I'll cover the CT machine. So we had that agreement. So that's again, where, you know, working together with somebody was like awesome to have your core group there because I would have just been left on an island
1: yeah I think it's like I mean I'm a stenographer if they were like you need to go shoot some x-rays I'd be like I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about like it's two completely different modalities Mm -hmm. like you know so for them just kind of expect you to jump in because their IR techs do it and so I think that was kind of the big takeaway is like Even though your IR people, they were, you know, nice to you. It's not like they were mean like a lot of other departments, but they still weren't like, hey, let me show you how to do this. Hey, let me walk you through this. Hey, let me be hands on and make sure you're comfortable knowing what you need to know. It was very much just like kicking the butt go figure it out, like go figure this out for yourself. And like, we're cool. And we're basically gonna make you do everything Mm -hmm. and we're gonna watch you and let you figure things out. Yeah,
0: I mean, there was a couple of times where I couldn't tell if it was logistically what was going on, but of course you're on high alert. So you think everything is vindicative in a way. Like they would tell me to set up room two, I would get completely set up. And then they would come in and tell me that the room changed and the patient's going to one, which is like an even worse room so then, like, I'm like, well, okay, cool, no big deal. But I'm thinking in my head, like, they knew I was setting up. They told me to. Like, is that yeah, on purpose just, like, to, like, make you. me, like, redo everything and totally change the old style machine over and put in the images and, like, but I would just do it.
1: I think, yeah, you know, just so, like, the tone of every day. So, like, again, there was one week where you guys were in a hotel, two weeks where you worked Monday through Friday. And I think like that mindset of really being able to think about when you're walking in, you have no idea what to expect. It's very unpredictable. It can be very hostile. You're figuring things out. You don't really have a support around you because you were alone trying to figure things out. Like, and luckily you're such a, You have such a good personality that people naturally like you. The doctors liked you. You're good tech, you know. So, like, you had all of that working for you. Mm -hmm. But I think just the the thought of, like, you're walking. You're like, I have no idea what to expect today. Are they going to be there? Are they going to call out? Mm -hmm. Is today going to be the day they strike? Like, what am I coming into today? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Are they all just sitting around making me do everything? Because what was it where they were like looking at all the cases and they're like oh shit like tomorrow you're gonna have a horrible day that's like i'm glad thought, i ain't gonna be here
0: that's when they thought they were gonna strike right and then the docs like asking me how many cases can you cover by yourself that you feel comfortable and then they didn't change the schedule so he's like well i got four uh tomorrow and there's a lower leg like, runoff and like these are big cases and then one doc was like i can do the tech work." um and i'll just help out and he was like but you know what i'm not doing that because this is ridiculous and i'm not doing that and i was like well you shouldn't have to but what you have to understand is like i can i can fly and i can handle like two rooms because all i'm doing is really circulating and if the nurses are still here they can step up as well as long as the communication is there but like you just have to understand like i'm gonna do the best that i can and we can only go at the pace that i can go yeah and so they were like totally understand that sweet we'll work it out no big deal and then at seven o'clock on Monday night or five o'clock on Monday night the injunction came through the doc comes running through the department and he's like no one can go on strike a judge just said you can't go on strike see you at work tomorrow
1: yeah and I was
0: like that's awkward I'm gonna leave now
1: yeah I mean oh my gosh I had to say something that was super important that I was like "Ooh, that's really good and I just forgot um, just
0: working when I was saying, like, I can just do what I can do?
1: Yeah, I guess. Huh. I Now, I forget. what it, It'll come back to me. But, you know, um, with ultrasound, you know, they were basically, and we talked about that a little bit before, but they were basically just, like, they were all saying, we're not doing anything. Like, mm-hmm. they weren't showing them how to do anything. And they're, like, we're not doing anything. And, like, just, like, throwing requisitions at them, making them do everything. So, my sister...
0: Oh, who's a gonna, badass? I was gonna tell that story. Yeah,
1: she's a badass, and she doesn't play games. And and it's funny because she's like so little and blonde and cute and small, and like it's just a happy, happy person, right? And 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 I'm the same way, but we both have a temper, and like it's like you don't want to mess with us because like we have like a, a.
0: She doesn't have a fear of shooting it straight.
1: Yeah, like she's a straight shooter. She's super blunt. She doesn't really have a filter in that way, and so she basically was just like.
0: So what they were doing was they would literally have stacks of patients for the travelers to do and then they would sit on their phones and then they would send the travelers to lunch and they would be there and then when they came back there'd be a new stack and no cases were done. They just sat in their little lounges and just passed out patients and then they would even hand uh, patients to the staff, the regular staff, and then... One tech noticed that she would just like look around and wait for one of the travelers to come and then be like, here's your next patient. And so Elizabeth was in the breast center, which is Kim's sister. And then she came back into general for the last week. And she was like, it is brutal, it's rough. So then the second day she went up to the lead and she was like, hey, I just need to get a flow here. Like I've been in the breast center. Like, are you guys just not doing patients? Because if you're not doing patients, that's fine. I just kind of understand that we're just gonna do them all. And let me ask if you're not doing patients, but you're still at work and you're not striking, like why aren't you doing cases if you're not on strike? I don't understand that. And he said, "Um, well, that's what our upper management told us to do, that you guys should do all the cases. And she said, oh really, okay, cool. So she turned around and walked to the manager and said, hey, I just have a question. Um, The ultrasound lead is under the impression that you guys told him not to do any procedures, that we should do all of them. Is that true? And the manager was like, hell no. Mm-hmm. Walked in there, pulled him out. And by that afternoon, the entire staff was in the rotation.
1: Yeah, as it should be.
0: As it should be. But, but let them, like, that's how they were doing. It was like, the travelers, there's six of them. They were taking the first six patients.
1: Yeah.
0: And then you guys, and then when they were done, they would take another patient. So it wasn't like the full-time staff had to work even harder right. like we went in there to work yeah we weren't just sitting back either right so it's like might as well keep patients going because our day goes faster but they were just like we're not doing anything
1: yeah and they were like mean yeah you know they were like really nasty to them which, not
0: teaching them protocols nothing, nothing
1: like just gnarly to them and what i not, that's what, so i just remember what i was gonna say is that the craziest part is that almost everybody that was like in your group or like the group that we knew that was part of our community, it was like their first quote unquote travel assignment. Yes. I was blown away by that because as a traveler, you're used to walking into unpredictable situations. Again, you always usually have welcome arms on the other side. They're happy you're there to help. Uh, this is nothing like a travel assignment. We really tried to stress that. Like this is not normal. You guys like at all, but I was really surprised that people were like, oh, it's my first travel job. I just mm-hmm. jumped in. It's a great way to make some money, kind of get my feet wet, get my foot in the door, and just, like, jump in and get started. And I was like, wow, like, go big or go home. Yeah. Like, And there was a lot of people there who actually worked full time and left to come and work. Mm-hmm. And they were going back to their full-time jobs yeah. Essentially, they had never traveled or anything you right. know so anyways i thought. Yeah. That was I mean within our
0: immediate group it was more than 50 percent that yeah. were uh not travelers yeah which was crazy because that's like you said all i kept doing was like this is not normal
1: yeah this is not
0: normal right and usually when you leave there's like a party and everybody's excited and they don't make you work very hard on your last day and like i mean granted that's what we've yeah. seen you know like whatever but um, I was trying to express to them that it's not, it's not anything like this, but they held their own and did a good job.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, I was like, if you guys can handle this, the travel world's a piece of cake. Oh,
1: a hundred percent. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think that paints a picture. We just wanted to like paint the picture of like what it was actually like in the grind every day. Like you guys were in the trenches and I think it, it took an emotional toll you know, again, like for me, I walk into my assignment every day and I, and I, you know, things are always thrown at you, but you kind of know what to expect. You know, the outpatients, you got ERs, whatever. Like we have an, I know the people I'm going to be with, the the personalities, like whatever. And so I think for y'all, like walking in and just always being so unpredictable, like it plays an emotional rollercoaster. Like you got to amp yourself up to be like, what's going to be thrown at me today? Who's going to be there today? Is anyone, is someone going to be mean to me? Do I have whatever? Like, and you have to really like get yourself into like this high vibe energy state, which takes a lot of work to get to. Yes. And then you have to like be in it all day, like stressed out. And then you come back and you almost like crash. And then you have to like do it again the next day. Well,
0: you don't because you know it's coming back. Yeah. Like it's coming back. And I think that's been the biggest adjustment is there was that adrenaline rush Mm -hmm. of that constant like gear yourself up for whatever's going to hit you and like. They could strike tomorrow. Like, you know, when the injunction happened, they could have went on strike Thursday. They didn't strike Thursday, so I was like, it could be Friday. So you're just constantly just waiting, and then the union wants to keep the hospital on its toes. So it's it's constant Everything's thing. So you're, uncertain. So you have that adrenaline of all times. So like, it's just like this rush of, like, I'm going to go in there, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of business, and I'm going to show up, and I'm going to be good, and it's going to be awesome. And then it's like, you're done, and you're just like, you've spent three weeks on that, like rush Mm -hmm. and it's like hard to come down from
1: yeah it's almost then you come back and you're like whoa like (laughs) whoa yeah now you just like want to sleep
0: yeah yeah pretty much well (laughs) i think i think we've covered (laughs) it so back to the normal already recorded programming
1: yeah i it, it felt heavy and i but i love though that you guys because you know you were doing instagram stories every day kind of sharing updates and stuff and like you know i just feel like you really tried to exemplify and like and, and rally troops and laura with like her oh. with people like we're it and i'm and i wasn't even there but it was it, it was such a just like a mind fuck mm-hmm. for back of, lack of a better like phrase and like such an up and down roller coaster that like just getting in the mindset of really trying to stay positive, really trying to think, like, okay, guys, like this is where we are right now. We've got X amount of days left. Let's show up. Let's let's show up for these patients because that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. We're here to help the patients because the patients shouldn't suffer because these people don't want to work and they want to walk out and they have, they want their needs met, whatever the case is. And so it's like, let's show up. Let's have a positive attitude. Let's like take moments to like laugh about things. And you know, so I was like really trying cause it's very easy. And I was in that WhatsApp group for a little bit and it's like, it's very easy for people to be so negative of like, this happened and this happened and this happened. And I get it. Like, it's not all rainbows and butterflies, but I feel like it's very easy to go down such a negative spiral. And like, you guys really tried to like, keep the morale up. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what allowed you guys to carry through and like, like end on a decent note or I think it would have been.
0: And our core group was ultrasound, CT nuke med and ir that was like our core group that was there and you know again kudos to everybody that was there you didn't see any of the hostile stuff in that whatsapp group coming from those departments Mm -hmm. we just kind of kept that to ourselves we talked amongst ourselves you know we'd always meet before work and we would meet 30 minutes prior to going in and we'd all just kind of like gather our thoughts and how we were feeling and then we would all meet after work to kind of debrief and just let it out and then we'd go to our rooms and go about our business. And so it was just really cool to have that support system um, from everybody there. And that was like, I was very lucky to have that. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just, it was crazy because I was doing stories every single day. And then once work started, I stopped doing stories. Like
1: you never came on once.
0: But see, I also felt like one, there was a couple things. Oh, mailman. Um, oh, he went the other way. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like squirrel. Um, <laughs> God.
1: Oh my God, babe. I just dribbled my coffee everywhere. (laughs)
0: But I realized like there was a lot of reporting going on because it was like this back and forth, back and forth. And I was kind of, you know, reporting on that. But then once work started, it got a little redundant with like what was going on to I needed a break because I feel like I took on a lot and I just needed to like man, main my own side of the fence, yeah, man, my own side of the fence. Yeah. Yeah, And then just kind of do what I needed to do to prepare because I couldn't do it all and I felt that way and then second or thirdly I realized that my situation was so different from everybody else's so there was a little bit inside of me that was like how can I report to the people on the outside about what I'm seeing and I understand when people come to my Instagram and my Facebook it is through my perception Mm -hmm. but I I didn't feel like that was giving a good explanation of what was going on across the board and then on top of that you know, not only were you all listening to my stories and I had a lot of people reaching out saying, you know, it's awesome. I had, like, parents of people that were there, like, mm-hmm. reaching out. It was really cool. Like, it was awesome to, were, to like, have that. They were,
1: like, checking in with Aaron's updates. Okay, like, what's going on? Like, is anything changed? Is everybody okay? Like, like tuning in to see, like, yeah. what's... Go- Even I was. I yeah. was, like, checking it like, okay, what's going on? Like, if right. I hadn't talked to you.
0: Yeah, but not only were the parents... <laughs> But we later found out, it's assumed that it was me, but the head of the union that we were going in was watching my stories as well.
1: And gave you a little bit of a shout out. It was a
0: little bit of a shout out, a of, shout out. Of, of this blogger. It was very um, very churchy.
1: Like Martin Luther King. Yeah,
0: this, this blogger's in his room and he's... He's just saying it's the easiest money he's ever made. and
1: No, there's this boy. This and he's blogger. a blogger. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so,
1: okay, we should have like... But it was really funny.
0: It was. But it, I was like, oh my God, she's, she's watching my so stories. She, they
1: were watching. And okay, so let's. I feel like this is kind of a good segue because, you know, people had a lot of opinions. Like in our Facebook group you know, we were sharing about the experience of the strike and people had very nasty things to say and people also were very interested. It was like a very, it was very polarized, right? Like it was Very
0: political. Yeah. Easily described. And it was like,
1: yeah. And people were like, oh my God, like how could you like go and like be a scab and like go and do this and blah, blah, blah. Like you don't stand with the workers. And at first I was kind of like, like, who the hell do you think you are? Like, you know, like talking like that, you know, because anyway, well, you should I, never, No, I also think too, like everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I'm very up for having like healthy, like supportive, um, like
0: view from both sides. Yeah.
1: Like I'm all about having conversations. You don't always have to agree with one another, but you hear each other out and you're like, wow, I never thought about it that way. Right. Like.
0: And you don't have to productive
1: end, conversation. Correct, and you don't
0: have to end the conversation even agreeing. No, it's not exactly. about I'm trying to make you agree with me. It's just like this is the way I see it, this is the way you see it. Awesome. Like I might have learned something from you. Well, you might have right. learned something from the me. The point
1: is we don't put each other down. Like it's not a group to put anybody down or make anybody feel bad or to like be nasty, right? So it brought up a lot of that kind of stuff. And it was like it brought up conversations of like now that we're in this like what are our feelings of a strike like do we stand with the workers like do we not like what are our actual thoughts about it because it all happened very quickly and it was our first time and I think now looking at like taking a step back and being like okay like how do you actually feel about it and my thoughts about it just kind of I still don't know completely because Aaron was like would you ever if, if this came up again and we could both go would you do it and it's like a, I would never do it if you were working with the staff. I just think that's such a hostile environment. Yeah, I, I don't would, yeah. I don't think that's productive or healthy or kind to anyone. Or normal. Or normal. Um but I also, you know, again, like obviously the allure with a strike is the money. Like, let's be real. Like it's a it's a way to make a, a lot shit of, money. of money. Yeah. B, um, you know, how I looked at it was like, wow, I don't feel like I'm not standing with the healthcare workers because of course we always want to support. People and you want people's peers, needs yeah. to be met. Like if they if they're feeling a certain type of way, then you want everybody to come to an agreement where both parties feel served, taken care of, heard. I don't think they should just get whatever they want. Like I think it should be like a meeting of like mutual, um, mu- what is the word like mutual agreements? Yeah, like where both parties walk away being like, okay, cool. Like I we each got a little something that we wanted. That being said, I also care about the patients and if people walk out of a job then who suffers from that the the patients suffer because they don't have the care they need that day right because there's no one there to do it and so from that perspective like no that's not okay so the people that come in to cover these strikes are there to support the patients and continue the care until the hospital and the people reach an agreement Right, right,
0: and, yeah. and I don't
1: think that's a very—I don't think that's a negative thing.
0: No, I don't. I don't think it's negative, and I also have just been playing it back and forth. It's just been ping ponging in my mind because I understand both sides of the fence. You know, when I was at Stanford Children's, the nurses were threatening strike, and as upper management, we were trying to figure out how we would work that out. And thankfully, like nothing ever happened. Everything just went on. They reached an agreement, so on and so forth. But with this being said, like my first initial thought was we are in the worst part of the pandemic that we've been in since this started this is a county hospital in chicago huge hospital mm. the patient population there is suffering from from COVID as well the staff is struggling because of the fact that they've been outputting it so much and there's been budget cuts and they've been laying off and they haven't had any hazard pay just lots of things like that, which I completely agree with them on as well. Like they should be getting compensated for that and putting their lives at risk and and all the things that go along with that and PPE and um, getting extra help to cover the surge in patients. That's all where I stand. But I also like, I don't agree with the hospital and, and how they went about that. But I also, like you said, if the staff walks out, then the patients suffer. And so I was like, man, like I can go and help with that until I got in there and started learning about all the different things. And we didn't talk about it very much. And you're just not sure who's telling the truth Mm -hmm. and what they're actually telling you. And that was another flip side. You just don't know if somebody's baiting you or setting you up. Like it's this constant trying to read, like, am I getting real information? Are they teaching me what I need to know? Are they setting me up? Like it's a very bizarre feeling.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And so you can see it from the level of, if we go in and mend the gap, the hospital does not have to act quickly to meet the needs of the staff. On the flip side of that, if we're not there, then the patients are at risk and the hospital would just have to give in to any needs that the staff had. Mm-hmm. So it's a bridge and it's a bridge between the two. So if we can take care of the patients while the staff and the hospital have time to negotiate, then that's the best case scenario, in my opinion. Yeah. And in healthcare, I feel like it's a different style of union. We always hear about the unions of like the steel workers and all the different plants and the things like that have grown up, you know, that have built this country. And I think unions are very beneficial in a lot of ways. But in healthcare, I feel like it's it's beneficial as well. But it also like 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 you said, the show must go on. Like right. patients just don't stop going in.
1: You can't shut down an entire hospital or department, and I think that's where, you know, there's a gray area. So I think just to be like so opinionated of like it has to be this way, or like if you do this, then you're a scab and you suck and you don't see it with healthcare workers, and if you don't, like I just feel like there's there's room to have thoughts about different things, and I think I feel I feel conflicted with both, and I don't exactly know how I feel about it in this moment. And I think that's okay too. It's right. just. We, we did this, we had this experience or you had this experience. I obviously had my own experience by, through your experience, but, um, it's an interesting conversation. I don't mm. think we have to be so frickin' aggressive towards each other to make people feel like you're wrong for doing something. Like let's have a discussion about like, well, I've, I actually never really thought about it like
0: that. No. And I was the only one working in IR. So if, if the entire IR staff went on strike, they would be diverting stroke patients, um, and traumas like bleeds and things like that that they would have to send to another hospital and as we all know that's a delay in care which can ultimately, you know, affect a patient's outcome. And so yeah. my staff was actually really supportive to the I mean we didn't talk about it. It wasn't like we were in a huddle like hugging each other saying, you know, thank you, you're here. It was never like that. But they showed me everything I needed to know. That way in case they did go on strike, they knew that their doctors were covered and that we could get the job done until they came back. And that was their perception. Which I was very lucky to have. Yeah. Because a lot of people didn't have that.
1: Right. It depends. Yeah. A hundred percent. And
0: it also depended so, on who was. There was people that were also in the union that were electing not to go on strike because they're like, I, I feel very good with what I have. Yeah. You know. And so there was just there's difference of opinions even within the hospital, and they were even like arguing amongst themselves. And I mean, it was yeah, it was. <laughs>
1: it was a crazy situation. It I really mean, was. Honestly, like. I'm looking at our calendar right now. We have like a calendar that we, um, right, you know, we have all of our stuff right now. It's like a whiteboard, and and I have the day that I came back from Chicago, and that I mean that was two weeks ago, and just to look that like you've been you were gone for three weeks. Like this has been the biggest whirlwind. It happened so quickly, and just so much stuff came up for for us personally, like within our relationship. You know we're we're always together. Like we are, it's very so. We've had a couple of stints. We've been together what thirteen years. We have had a couple of stints. One where I worked, um, you were working at Stanford, and I took a contract in Sebastopol. So we were living two hours away, but we saw each other on the weekend. So it's just like during the week we were separate. And then weekends, so that was actually kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another time, I left and took a contract in Illinois, so I was gone for, like, three or four weeks. Other than that, in 13 years, I mean, we're always Other together. Other than you
0: going to Florida when I've been yeah, working. Yeah, that's true.
1: We, yeah, so we've been separate for a couple of weeks here and there. I think two weeks was, like, the longest, like, going home but it's like we're we're together every single day and we've been talking about this a lot actually just within our with ourselves of just like you know do we feel like we can be codependent like is that something that we want to work on within our relationship because It's this weird dynamic because we travel together, so we are each other's person, right? It's not like we're home and we have, you know, this community of of friends and this go-to life that you do every single day, right? It's not
0: even like I go out and play golf on Saturday with a group of guys.
1: Exactly. It's like it's, it's you and I and we're in it together and we also really like each other, so it's like we like to do things together, you know? It's like I want Aaron to come with me, you know, so it's... But does that mean that we have a codependency kind of a thing and... And so anyways, we've had a lot of discussions about it. And then you leaving for three weeks, it was a really, it was like a huge growing growth spurt in our relationship. Mm -hmm. And it brought up a lot of things that were very uncomfortable that are going to serve us so much greater down the line, like in our relationship, 100%. but it brought up a lot of my own insecurities and just like you being there away and like being there, like with all women and hanging out with hotel rooms with women. And you know, all of that it was like, I've, I've been oh, like for years and years and years and years and years, I have constantly been working on my own insecurities. Oh my gosh. It's on its way. Um, my own insecurities, jealousy, uh, trust things. Those are things I, I'm a constant work in progress and something that I've been working on from the beginning of time, right? Mm -hmm. Since I came out of the womb, like I've had issues with that. So Aaron being in Chicago in this kind of situation where he's with all women, he's, you know, away from me, he's in hotel rooms, he's doing different things. It triggered a lot for me. And so it was uncomfortable, but it was really good. So it was like, wow, like I have done so much work and I thought a lot of that was behind me. And I, it came up and I was like, oh my gosh, like I didn't even realize this came was Came up all- with a fury yeah, this was all still here. So it was, a, we look at things as like an opportunity to learn, to grow, to heal, to work on it, right? It was very uncomfortable, but it was like, holy crap, like you've got a lot of work to do. Let's keep going, right? Cause it's gonna make your relationship healthier and stronger on the other side of it. Cause I don't wanna be insecure. I don't wanna have trust issues. I don't wanna have, you know, um, jealousy issues like that. I wanna have more freedom in our relationship. I don't want that for myself, you well, know?
0: Yeah, and I mean, again, like you said, you tried, everything to go on this strike with me to to actually work it because there was a space for you to work it and it didn't work out Mm -hmm. and then we're like okay well what's the reasoning and then on top of that like the universe has this beautiful way of putting things into your life so that you either choose to deal with it or you just let it become an issue even more Mm -hmm. and I think taking this scenario where Chicago is one of the most strictest cities in the nation in my opinion of covid restrictions. They've shut down everything. Like literally we were in Starbucks, bought it was the world's largest Starbucks, you could buy your Starbucks coffee and they would put a piece of tape over your straw hole and told you, you couldn't even drink the Starbucks in the in the store. Mm-hmm. So it was a very bizarre situation. So basically we were joking and laughing that we were like, not only were we working this crazy experience, but we were trapped in Martha Stewart's prison because it was like a nice prison, but we couldn't even hang out in the lobby of of the hotel. We couldn't eat in the hotel. We had to like basically just go to our rooms and sit there. And when you're in that stressful situation and you're, You're at work all the time. All you want to do is be able to step out, but then there were no restaurants open, which we did find one thank goodness, but it was just a different situation. Totally different. And everything had played into it perfectly.
1: Everything played into it. And I think, you know, one thing we always talk about is like stepping outside of your comfort zone and getting uncomfortable and growth comes from that. It's good to be uncomfortable because that's how you become like better and stronger and more confident. All the things we always talk about that kind of stuff. And i think we're like really good at that in so many ways like we're always kind of out of our comfort zone right we're always like especially with us traveling and with our business and all of that you know like we're really good at that but it's been A very long time that we've been uncomfortable in our relationship like our relationship we're always working on things that we it's it's pretty smooth like we we don't have a whole lot of chaos and and things coming up all the time or we're fighting about this like things are pretty smooth for the most part and so this was like the first time in a long time that it felt uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and it was like I actually had to say to myself, wow, like you always talk about get uncomfortable, get uncomfortable. And like how good that is and blah, blah. And here I am very uncomfortable right now within my relationship. And again, it's not necessarily directed at Aaron, but it was like I had my own stuff to do within my own relationship. Well, I was bringing it up. Right, right, exactly. But it was like get uncomfortable because on the other side of that it's going to be so much better you know mm-hmm. so it's kind of an interesting opportunity that w- that I wasn't expecting well right and um and I think it's really really positive I mean so much positivity has come out of it now like from our talks and different things that have come up but during that time Lots of talks. it wasn't easy
0: no it wasn't and I think too like it's easy to also say in my opinion um That we get out of our comfort zone when we choose Mm -hmm. to get out of it. We make the choice to get out of our comfort zone. So that means we've had time to weigh it out and be like, oh, well, we feel comfortable with this, but we're going to travel the world and it's going to be uncomfortable, but we want to do it. It's different when you're thrusted into it with not a real choice per se. We chose to do the strike, but we were not aware of the situation that was going to happen, which then brought all of this up. So it wasn't a choice that we made in that aspect. So I think that's when it gets really it's a it's a test to really see how strong you are in the outlook of we want to move past this and growth and we are in a weird comfort zone or getting out of our comfort zone. And so we're choosing to know that if we can get through this, we can build stronger.
1: Well, and I think it's also very different when you're with your partner and you're like, oh, let's start this business. Oh, let's go travel the world. Oh, let's start healthcare traveling. And you have your partner and you guys are like doing life together and you're uncomfortable together. And you're like, we're going to get through this together is a, is, is a very, and it, that kind of put it in perspective too, because it a dairy, that's a very different vibe and situation than when you're in a relationship that is everything to you right like my relationship with you is such a is probably is my number one priority right I guess like mm-hmm. besides my relationship with myself and all my right but it's like so when you're feeling uncomfortable with that alone and it's your relationship that is your life essentially is a whole nother feeling of discomfort than you and I just doing a new venture together correct and that was the first time I actually felt wow like okay, like I'm in this alone in my own discomfort and this is on me to work on and to go through it and, you know, like to not numb it out, to not, you know, slip it under the rug or push under the rug because it felt like I was crawling out of my skin in a lot of ways. But it was like I had to like face it alone and work on it and figure it out. And
0: And I think, you know, from the difficult side of like knowing that, Mm my actions while not intentional were causing a lot of these, these issues going on. And then also me being in a very stressful situation and feeling uncomfortable and knowing that my life partner, my number one is hurting and we're not in the best place, didn't make that easy to be able to deal with on the outside as well because of what was going on with mm-hmm. what I was seeing. So I wasn't in my right mind of like, I was doing everything that I could just to hold on And we also did realize that I was probably putting too much out there to help everybody else hold on and try to be that positive, you know, leader. And I might have kind of gone a little bit harder on that than I did with, you know, kind of the things that we were going through as well. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of was exhausting and it was taxing.
1: It was, yeah, it was a lot in so many ways, but it's so now we're on the other side. And I kept like praying of just like, feeling the feelings of being on the other side of this, like feel not just like, Oh, he's home now. Life's good again, but like really like, okay, like he's home. I feel obviously better that you're here, but continuing the, the work and continuing like, okay, this stuff came up. This is amazing. What an opportunity for us to grow in our relationship. We've been together 13 years. Like this is, this was a big growing pain. We haven't had one of these in a while. Like what a great opportunity to reconnect and, um, and to be like healthier and more free and more like, yeah. What's the word?
0: I, I don't know. I was just going to say that, you know, it was kind of interesting that you were pretty vulnerable with what you were going through. But you know, one of my realizations was, and I, I mean, I feel like you listening, you might be able to take something away from this, but you know, I felt like due to my situation, I was making these decisions and I always have Kim's best interest in those decisions. And But I was working with what I had and there, a lot came up for me that I felt in a way, when she was presenting this, it was a little ridiculous. It was a little dramatic, it was a little over the top and I was very openly expressing that, that this is crazy, like this is putting a lot on me and blah, 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 instead of just respecting your feelings and learning how to deal with that. And really being there that even though I did think it was ridiculous or dramatic at the time, I wasn't fully aware of how you were feeling and I wasn't feeling it, but I wasn't allowing myself to feel it either. And that's something that like, I've learned through this whole process of just like, we're a team and if our team member is nervous or my wife is nervous or my wife is feeling a certain way, then... Yes, I can have my own feelings about it, but I also need to be there as a sounding support board system. to as a support system to hear you and not just dismiss what do you call it? Dismiss. Dis, dismissing my own personal feelings of like what I'm going through just to like be there for you, but understanding that like there's a way to do both, there's a way to hear you. Not necessarily agree back to the first conversation we were having and not get nasty about feelings that you were having. and And so that was something that I noticed in this whole thing. It was easy for me to like snap off because of how I was feeling. And I mean, even during the one situation, like um before we even like went to dinner and stuff like that, like your sister and I were talking that we were just like let somebody test me right now. Like we were just feeling very worked up and very anxious and very like just wound tight. Mm -hmm. And so then all of a sudden my one person had something that I felt was ridiculous and I just lost it.
1: Yeah. Well, this has turned into a therapy session. A little bit. (laughs) Um, yeah, I just, again, I think the whole point of like sharing all of that is like a lot of things came up with it. A lot of personal things and you know we're an open book so we always like to share things that we're learning like we never like we never want to pretend like oh we're this way or that way it's like we're always learning and growing and trying to be better and these three weeks I feel like we're we're going to be processing all of this for a long time to come but a lot came up it was a whirlwind but again it always goes back to like what I believe and what I know to be true is that life is always happening for you and even when things seem hard when things feel difficult or uncomfortable you don't understand you know again even taking it back to me going to chicago i wasn't able to go because of my job and then my job coming back a couple of days later trying to release me to then not even finish in january to be able to go to chicago and i'm like but this is already over at this point like so there was every reason for me to be able to go to chicago looking back, but I wasn't supposed to go, even though I didn't get that at the time, it didn't make sense, but because I was supposed to be here to learn the lessons that I needed to learn that were triggered by us being separate, and you were there to learn what you needed to learn, being there and everybody else was there to do their own work on whatever they needed to to get from the experience and so I truly believe no matter what like things can be hard and there's obstacles all the time in life but they're there to teach you things they're there to help you grow they're there to help you heal old wounds always forever like a hundred percent I believe that in and out and you can look at it that way And you can also look at it like, this sucks. This is happening happening to me. me. Yeah, it's happening to me. Oh my gosh, like blah, blah, blah. Everything was great. Now it sucks. Like you can always choose how you're going to look at things and and you get to choose the experience that you're going to have and how you're going to move through it.
0: Well, and there was a very clear depiction on that mindset philosophy in that what's up chat. Mm -hmm. You could see that. There were people that were like, this is happening for me. And there's people that were like, this is happening to me. And it was very, very, very clear. And it was just interesting how the different walks of life and why different people were there. And I'm always super interested in that. And like what came out of this for certain people, what people's views of it were. Like even just, you know, there was a lot of moms there and, and your sister and and things like that like leaving their families like their kids like i can't imagine what that was like i had a tough time leaving you and mimi can imagine like my three little kids and you know the the life that 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 is mm-hmm. and going to this place and, and a lot of them are like you know in a way it's kind of nice it's a nice get out it's a nice retreat to just kind of like be yeah. in my own space and so just there's just all these different aspects and i also believe my final thing here is just like i don't think it was a Coincidence or whatever that I had a really good experience in IR because I believe that that is my mindset going forward. That I'm going to get what I need to get out of this, and I'm not going in on edge. I'm not going in with expectations. I'm just kind of going in, and I understand that if they're a little hostile, but like if that's not in me, then it's not going to trigger, and I'm going to be able to do my job to the best of my ability. And I'm not going to be triggered by those those things, and I probably won't see them in my exterior.
1: 100%. We're always attracting, like what we're putting out, you know? So I think that's, that's a great... Great place to end. I feel like we kind of went all over the place. But I think that these three weeks have been all over the place.
0: It's a good testament of what's been going on.
1: And now we're just waiting for payday to come. Yeah. Because we still haven't gotten paid. And so that was another thing. So it's like... Then it's like, okay, cool. Like, at least we walked... Well, I, I shouldn't even say that. Like, we walked away with so many good things. Personal growth. And, like, individual personal growth. And relationship growth. And... A shit ton of money.
0: Financial <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Yep. Um,
1: and I think just, again, ending it with, you know, you being able to go and do your own thing away from me and show up. You had never done anything like that alone. And being able to just be like, hey, like, we like to do things as a couple, but damn, like, I went off and did this on my own and I could. I could. I could. And sometimes you have to remind yourself of that. I think when you've been married a long time, of like, I got to remember that I'm very capable of doing stuff on my own too.
0: And excelling. And
1: And, and rocking it, mm -hmm. right? And having your own experience that really doesn't have anything to do with me. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. So it was a really good, it brought up a lot of really good stuff. And, um, I'm glad it's over. Wouldn't do it
0: again at <laughs> this moment. I'm glad
1: it's freaking over. You
0: talk to me now, I would say I'd never do that again, but glad it happened.
1: Yeah, totally. So, that being said,
0: yeah, I, think, I think we covered I don't really
1: everything. do really have anything else to say. I don't.
0: Just looking forward to my backpack coming.
1: Okay, yeah. So, next, next time, this check, time next week?
0: Well, yeah. Check the story because we'll be doing a story tonight on our filet mignon, our lobster, and our champagne along with our new edition um, in in the house, in our hands. Fingers
1: crossed. Oh. We love her. We will. We love her. We
0: will. She's going right. to bring so much joy to so many people. That's what I'm putting out there. Yes. All right. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. See
1: you next Tuesday. Bye.